The scripture reading is, as Dina noted earlier, the creation story. It's Genesis, first chapter through second chapter, verse 4.8. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there is evening, and there is morning, the first day. And God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the water from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome. And it was so. God called the dome sky, and there was evening. And there was morning the second day. God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth. The waters that were gathered together, he called seas. God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind, and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light, light upon the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights greater light to rule the day and a lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from darkness. God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves of every kind with which the waters swarm and every winged bird of every kind. God saw that it was good. God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. There's evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind cattle and creeping things and wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind and the cattle of every kind. And everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle and over all the wild animals the earth, and every other creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given 
every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on God, because on it, God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. Word of God for the people of God. There is something so uh, comforting to me about this passage. Like you, I have probably heard it, I'm going to say a thousand times over the course of my life from being a little bitty child in Sunday school all the way through to seminary. I'm sure I have preached on it dozens of times and literally a million sermons have been preached on this passage. I love the sense of a created order of things. This passage is not so much meant to be a historical documenting of facts per se, as it is a theological statement, a liturgy for the people of Israel and those of us that follow in that tradition, a liturgy that proclaims the goodness and the beauty of God in creation, that we have a God that created things beautifully, that created order into the world, that took all that was chaotic and brought forth light, life. God, God's breath moved over creation. And in that spirit, God created a world that, that lives in balance with one another, where there are waters and trees and a dome in the sky. The ancient, ancient Near East had a sense that the, the, the earth was built on a platform with pillars and there was a dome over the top of it um, and you could fall off the edge of it, of course. It was an ancient understanding before we really understood the shape of the earth, let alone um, all that goes into the cosmos. But it was a beautiful sense that God at the center of all of this was a God that was creating, a God that was working towards good in creation, a God that called everything that was made good. A God that at the end of doing all of this masterful work of creation in six days, took a day to rest and encouraged us to do the same. It's a beautiful sense of order and balance. As I think about this passage, there are literally hundreds of ways one could go. One could talk about each of the seven days. One could talk about uh, the earth and the care for the earth. What's on my heart today is this whole uh, concept of being created in the image of God. Theologians call that the Imago Dei. It is absolutely fundamental to our Judeo-Christian understanding of both God and our identity of who we are as humans in the midst of this creation. This idea that God created each one of us in the image of God. One of the things that it's pretty easy to note that we tend to create God in our image. We tend to 
make sure that God lo does likes all the same people that we like and doesn't like the same people we like. And we have done this for millennia. We have, we have created the people that God considers the insiders, the chosen ones, the special ones, and the ones that God has less favor for, shall we say. We have, as Christians, we confess and repent that we have cast people outside of God's love. And here in American Christianity, we have even justified our own racism by saying that somehow the enslaved people were less than because of the color of their skin. There were somehow some theological justification. We used our Christian faith to suggest that somehow that God had made this color of people inferior. When we think about our own image of God, just invite you right now, what, what images of God come to mind? Just take a few seconds. When you think of what is your image of God? For some of us, that image of God might be quite literal. You might think of an old man on a cloud with a long gray beard, probably a white man on a cloud. So some of us have that sort of childhood imagination. I used to imagine that the thunder and the lightning was God, you know, battling or playing or even bowling. Bowling was my excuse for thunder. Or perhaps you think of God as a shepherd. There's good biblical image of God that, that gently walks around and shepherds and, and guides the flock. Perhaps God is, as the, the hymn suggests, a fortress, a mighty fortress is our God. Perhaps you imagine God as a loving and protective father. Unless you had a father who was abusive or absent. And that image is maybe not so comforting. Perhaps you imagine God as a loving and a nurturing mother. Unless, of course, you had a mother that was neither nurturing or loving. And that image may also feel estranging. Strange. Anyway, um, as we think about our images for God, we might also add some adjectives. You might, of course, use words like loving and grace-filled. You might use words like protective, creating, sustaining, nurturing. You may use words like angry and spiteful, indignant. You may image God as a God of righteousness and a God of justice. As we think about our images for God, I think that helps us to think about, well, it doesn't help us, it can help or it can hurt us. How do we imagine ourselves? If we imagine God is ultimately concerned about rules and regulations and a checklist of divine uh, rewards and punishments, which church on Sunday, check, cheated on their taxes, check, whatever your reward and punishment is, you know, so then you have God that's sitting there ready to judge, ready to judge. I remember when I was a child in Sunday school, there was this song 
that I thought was cute at the time, but I think now what a horrible image of God we were giving to children was be careful little eyes what you see, be careful little eyes what you see for the father up above is looking down on you. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see and be careful little hands what you do and be careful little hands what you do for the father up above is looking down on you. Be careful. That was an image of a God that was judgmental, ready to smite you, ready to, to correct you. It was an image of a God that was harsh and mean. Our image of God shapes us. And again, if we imagine a God that loves all the same people we love and a God that hates all the same people we hate or feels indifferent about the people who we feel indifferent about, I think we've probably missed the mark. That's when we can pretty much be sure that we have created God in our image rather than in the image of God. The biblical text is very clear that God created all people in God's image, that God created each one of us, each one of us in the image of God. And that image of God is not simply um, that we have been imbued with some kind of sacred power and dominance over creation, but that we manifest those things, that if our God is, is graceful, we too ought to be graceful. And if our God is just, we too ought to be just. The subject of these sentences is always God. The actor in the creation story is always God. It's not really about us. It is if God is these things, then we too are called to these things. So if God is loving, we too are called to love. And if God is just, we too are called to justice. And if God is faithful, we are also called to be faithful. In this creation story, God invites us to say, you are created in my image. And then God gives us this wonderful gift of being called to tend and care for creation, which means that we tend and care for the image of God that is created in each and every person. This week in our country, we have heard the heartache of people who have very much felt like their sacred image was damaged from the very beginning, that they were told that they were a threat, that they were violent, that they were unwelcome, that they were unwanted. We've heard the cries of people. For some, this has filled us with a, a sense of anger or um, shame. For others, it has been a sense of defensiveness. We have work to do on this, friends. We, we keep talking about this work that we have to do. And of course, as I say this, I, I, I say this with no excuse for, for folks that have engaged in violent protests, or those who have become markedly fewer as the week has gone on, or those that have engaged in, in looting or illegal activities. But I think this is a time when those of us who identify as white are called to be listening to be listening and trying to make sure that we are honoring the image of God in all people, in the people who look like us and the people who don't look like us, and the people who share our narrative of this week's events and those that don't share our narrative. We are called to, to seek a greater understanding for all people are created in the image of God. 
that we are innately by our creator at our very essence called to to live in this awareness it's not even a it's not even a do this so much as it is to know this to know this in our very very being that we are created in god's image let that sink in for you for just a moment that you are created in God's image, that you are created for love, you are created for peace, you are created for joy, you are created for grace and compassion, you are created in the image of God's justice, you are created in the image of God's mercy, you are created in the image of God. Now, if that image for you stirs up images of anger or of violence, then I would suggest that's some spiritual work that we need to do together. That, that's deep work. If your image of God has become polluted and damaged because somewhere along the way you were told that you were less than, that you were less than sacred, less than holy, less than good, well, that's a spiritual piece that we need to work on together and that we need to work on in community and that we need to work on as a society so that all of God's children would know that they are created and honored and valued as being an image of God, an image of God. This is a, in our church year, this, this Sunday is called Trinity Sunday. And so the, it's the only Sunday of the, of the year where we are called to reflect on a theological idea. And in the theological idea of the Trinity, you've got God as a creator, of Christ as a redeemer, and of the Holy Spirit. And all of these things live in unity. That what we say about God as the creator, we can say about Christ. And what we say about the Holy Spirit is also true of God and of Christ. And it's this beautiful image of God in community, of God's love expressed very powerfully in the life and witness and incarnate being of Christ. And so if we struggle with what does it mean to live in the image of God, we can look to Christ and we can see the way that he lived out his life and ministry, the way that he, he cared for people, the way that he brought healing and hope to places that were hopeless, the way that he restored people back into community, the way that he uh, called people of different walks of life to share in this ministry of love and compassion of healing. We can look at, of course, sacrificial love and a love that doesn't stop at death, but calls forth resurrection. Perhaps that's a resurrecting message that each of us need today, that we are created in the image of a resurrecting God that calls forth life, even in the midst of darkness and even death. God calls forth life and hope. And perhaps it is the Holy Spirit in this, this beautiful trinity, this spirit that, that walks and breathes and, and calls forth among us the spirit of unity, that in the Holy Spirit, God took people who were diverse and called them into a community together, that God took folks who were from all over the world, the Pentecost story tells us, and called them into a place of hearing one another. 
on this day in our church here, we think about this beautiful unity of the Trinity, this idea that in all of these ways, God is expressed. God continues to work in our community, in our life. God continues to, to call us to our own redemption, to our own salvation, to claiming that image of God, which was stamped at us at our birth. Today, as we come to Christ's table, it makes me so sad to not celebrate communion with you in person, but I imagine each one of your beautiful faces. I imagine each one of us and our diversity, our diversity of, of thought, our diversity of of opinions about matters. I think of each one of us, whoever we are, and those of you who I don't know who are just joining us. But I think about how do we live together in community? How do we build the sacred community that reflects God's image in each and every person, that gets rid of the hierarchies and the social orders that prevent people from living fully into God's grace and peace and image in their own lives. Today, as we come forward and and celebrate communion, I invite you to just imagine who else is with you, whether you are celebrating today at a table by yourself at home, or whether you are celebrating with your family members, or I just invite you to imagine that you are celebrating communion today with those who are protesting on the streets and that you are celebrating communion today in a police station that is hurting and confused. Imagine that you are celebrating communion with with people who are of every different race, every different creed. Imagine that you are living in, in a divine sense of unity with these people, honoring God's grace, God's image in each one of them today. Now, we have just a few minutes before we're going to come to Christ's table. So if you are at home and you haven't already done so, I would invite you to just grab whatever you have in hand to celebrate communion with us, because God will bless whatever it is. If you have bread or toast or a bagel, whatever, it's all good. Uh, If you have coffee, it's fine. Um, (laughs) We'll celebrate, of course, with grape juice and bread up here, but however you want to celebrate today. This will be a sign of God's unity and God's presence in each one of us in this sacred meal. We celebrate that Christ is present, that God is present, the Holy Spirit is present in our lives and in our witness because we are all created in God's image. Let us pray. Holy God, in this this time, this time where we all too often separate ourselves from one another. We separate ourselves from the communities that we share. We deem some of our brothers and sisters more worthy or less worthy with lament and shame and sorrow. We recognize that we have often done that on the basis of race in our country. And so God, we repent of that. Help us, God, in this communion meal to recognize your spirit in each and every one of us, to recognize your image in all of your people. We bring before you our our hurts, the ways that we have sometimes 
not seeing that we are created in your image. God, restore to us a sense of that divine connection to you. Restore in us a sense that we are connected to you and one another in a holy and a simple goodness and beauty. Bind us and call to us today. Amen.